Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss political hot topics throughout the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we're recording this episode of NV Politics on August 31st, 2023. So let's get into it. Happy end of August, Tim. Tomorrow is September 1st. Hey, you know what that means? Your rent is due. <laughs> That's, I don't know. I, I know most people don't pay rent. Pay your rent. It's the end of the month. Your rent is due. Generally is, yeah. I yeah. I am, am not a last minute mortgage payer, and so I have already paid my mortgage. It's due tomorrow. Okay, well, your mortgage is due. Your, your, your ex is due tomorrow. Pay your shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, here we are, everyone. So today, as Tim promised in our last episode, we're going to have a discussion around our main topic of land use. We do not have a rehash today, which is amazing. They're just, I mean, there's been a lot happening, I think, on a national level, not necessarily a super large amount of things happening in Nevada. Yeah, you know, some some minor indictments here or there on a national level. Nothing crazy, you know, yeah. nothing. Nothing yeah. newsworthy, nothing, you know, there <laughs> there hasn't been any ethics scandals that have recently come out in the last 48 hours. You know, no, it's been nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. I was say, wait, wasn't wasn't there one? <laughs> yes. We won't get into that one, but there is uh, I did see something that, if I'm honest, I've heard about since I was a child, so this is 30-plus years now, of more talks about the high-speed rail between California and Nevada. Boo! And to Boo. that I'll say, I'll believe it when I Boo. see it! <laughs> Boo! But that's not rehash-worthy because we've never I've never seen a plan it. that I supported. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have to go to California to go to <laughs> Vegas. All right. So with that, we'll jump into our main content of land use. And then after our main topic, we'll jump into our broke our brain segment. And I'm going to be honest, I did a little bit of diving into land use, but Mr. Hannafin here is going to be the main content giver, and I'm likely going to have some questions. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to you, Tim. Teach us about Nevada land use. I think it's important to first note there is a key difference between northern Nevada and southern Nevada when it comes to mm -hmm. land use and kind of how things or are looked at, and that's because of the topic that, or one of the topics that we'll be talking okay. about today. And it's it's with how Nevada has done their more or less land use, land procuring, land allocation, however you want to sure. call it. And just for listeners, if they want to do some digging on their own later, I do want to reference that the Nevada Independent has done a really great series. It's a two-part series around Nevada land use that explains the history behind it all and gives more details. I think it just brushes the surface because what I wanted to first talk about was the formula that the U.S. uses. Cool. Because that's important to then understand how Nevada does it. 
Yeah, because I pulled up the the survey map of Nevada and I just applied the grid to see how it actually laid out. And I'm like, oh, I fucking get it. <laughs> like, I get it. Uh, okay, Tim, teach us. <laughs> so when the government was finding or founding the states or when it was, you know, picking its territories or things like that, it had to have a way to dictate how the land would actually be used, divvied up, sold, what would happen in said areas so that it wasn't just a gigantic wild west clusterfuck of everyone just like ah, i shot you now this is my land bang bang I bang mean, you it kind of like, was to an extent it was still yeah. the wild west and they could still say this is my land <laughs> yes but no because there was surveying involved i've watched and that what is that yeah do you watch yellowstone yes okay what was the one? It's like the precursor to Yellowstone. There are like, two of them. They're 1883 yeah, yeah. and 1923 or like okay. 1912 or something like I that. I watched there are two that of them. 1880. It was, it was the one that takes place when they are actually choosing the land. It, it's yeah, wild yeah, to watch. Oh, yeah. I guess he's not in that one. Huh? Yeah, it's the 1881. Anyway, that is what I'm picturing in my head when you were talking about this all. Continue. And I I haven't watched that one, but it is probably it's probably very much that that way where they're going out and they were picking sections of land that they thought was were viable and saying I would like to buy this or however that worked. How the states were first formed was that the U.S. government would go through, survey the land, and develop seven areas of 36 plots. And those areas were supposed to be the towns or the townships. And once they had the seven territories, they'd go back to the government and they'd start the process. This is rough, rudimentary, and I might be messing that up, but that's just what I could find with my own research because it's... Okay. A very in-depth process. I remember reading something about that, but it was very complicated. Well, now you look at Nevada, where Nevada had that divvy up happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm, from what I understand, that divvy up in Nevada happened before the purchasing uh, or before the acquisition of Vegas. Oh, probably way before, but I, I could be wrong. Well, because we got Vegas in uh, eight, 1867. Nevada had this weird thing where we we had our seven sections broken up. And if you looked at pretty much anywhere in the state of Nevada for any plot of land to be viable, you kind of need more than one acre because farming out here sucks. Because that land is dry. Exactly. So it... <laughs> The state had a very difficult time selling all 36 plots of a township to prospectors. Okay. Because to your point, it was easier for a prospector to kind of go out somewhere and be like, hmm, I like this land a little better. I'm going to (laughs) just post up here now. Did that actually happen? I didn't live live back then. Probably. So Nevada devised this crazy plan where we were like, okay, we can't sell this shit, U.S. government. And you told us we got to sell this shit. So how about you take this back and we, like, pick the land we want to sell? And somehow, in 1880, the government was like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. Sure. 
Okay. And that's why when you apply the 36 plot grid to Nevada towns, none of them take up the full 36 plots and none of them work right because only half of them were ever sold off and then the other half were just either left or became federal BLM land because it was never sold. Okay. Jump to some of the issues or at least some of the things that we'll we'll start talking about in this old, crazy, modern mess of today. And you have a ton of land that cannot be accessed or cannot be sold off or used in an appropriate manner because it's landlocked. Or you'll have BLM land entirely surrounded by private land. And who wants to buy land surrounded by a farm where you got to work with your neighbor to pretty much drive to your to your house yeah yeah if you're cool with your neighbor it's awesome but if you piss your neighbor off (laughs) he could you know tear up your road cut you off access yeah yeah and like now you have to airlift to your home and there's nothing you can do about that (laughs) and there are millions of acres in nevada that exist because of this weird sectioning Mm -hmm. off where we just said oh we want this land we want this land the government had this weird thing where train tracks were parceled off half halfway halfway so when you look at a lot of the cities you can see how like every other square it seems was like private to public so you'll have like a suburban square and then a a public street square and another public street square and a like a blank square that's a ranch and like you'll see this weird partitioning off in all of nevada's towns Mm -hmm. and then in the 90s you got this great guy named harry reed who was like hey we gotta we gotta fix this we've got too much land that's owned we gotta sell it off we gotta develop it and instead of trying to take the entire amount of the state, because we have somewhere about 70 million acres in total that you'd have to go through and figure out where it belongs and how we're going to deal with it, they said we're going to go through county to county and start selling that land. And okay. they started with Clark. When did you move to Vegas? I was born in Las Vegas. Okay. So you kind of, you saw old Vegas to new Vegas. Yeah. They grew! You, yeah, you saw the growing, and you saw the growing under these under this modern land use where essentially the surveying of the olden times was happening in the modern system. Okay. Where we were surveying off these, these lands that we could that were federally owned and saying, yeah, well, okay, we'll, we'll just sell it. We'll sell it to the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. There was some money involved, which involved... Isn't there the va- always? Yes, but it's the reason why <laughs> Harry Reid will go down as the most profitable man for the state of Nevada. Sure. It's because he, him and Ensign slipped in that little freaking rider of 15% of the funds go to Nevada. And and this is where it's the 85-15, but the 15 is directly in Nevada, and the 85 is in the federal government, but it's still earmarked to have to go to Nevada. The important part of all that is that it surpassed the appropriations process, so the federal government doesn't have to debate how the Department of the Interior spends the 85%. It's already, it's already told to them. They have to spend it on shit in Clark County. They get the 85%, but... A key part of that is that they're still told how they have to spend that 85%. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So it doesn't just go to the federal government. It goes to the federal government with the stipulations of like, well, yes, but you have to also spend it back in our state. So pretty much all the money ends up getting spent in Nevada in some way, shape or form. Okay. Got it. No, yeah. No other state has had a bill like this since because this generated so much money for the state of Nevada that the U.S. government can't. Well, they can touch, but they can't use. So they did this deal. Harry Reid. He cut this deal and it started in Vegas. So Vegas saw this huge amount of developing sprawl out. They saw a growth from one to three million people in a matter of 20 years. Like they saw huge growth that has not been seen in the rest of the state. I was there for that. Yeah. (laughs) It's because it started down there and it didn't get to everywhere else in the state. Mm. Okay. So does that mean you northern Nevadans are mad at us southern Nevadans? I'm not necessarily mad at southern Nevadans (laughs) at all. I'm, I'm kind of more just baffled by this whole system and this whole state. Like I've been... I've been wandering around rural Nevada forever, wondering why we have so much godforsaken open land. Yeah. Ooh, I have a statistic. Hold on. It's like some crazy 5% of Nevada is, of our land is used for our, our population of our people. Yep. And I, I believe it. And it's because... Even when you look at how townships got split up because of what Nevada did in the 1880s, it all went to areas where there is water or there are water rights. So anywhere where you see a dried up lake bed, there are farms. Anywhere where you see a stream, there are farms. Anywhere where you see a town can fit with water around it, there is a town. Mm -hmm. But then there's a lot of nothing. It's like, we are like the most desolate state. Yeah. Half of that is because a lot of those areas, when they were surveyed, they're just undevelopable or whatever the hell the word is. Undevelopable. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you can't do anything with them. They're Mm -hmm. not great land. But even some of the land that is good is blocked off by the mass amounts of private farms that are just in the way of it Mm. because you can drive up a road and you can see like oh the right side of this road has private farms for two acres out and beyond that there's still plenty of fertile land but it's all either private or you can't access it because of how it's been parceled off publicly so it's it's inaccessible and i'm i'm just sitting here as if almost half of my questions have almost been answered of why the hell we can't just build out. Hmm. Why basically we're running out of space and housing in the actual towns and cities that we have. Yeah, it's like that's why the idea of Damani Ranch had to go away and like Idlewild is technically private property that's not like it was a private lot that mm-hmm. they they'd had purchase when I, uh, yeah, and that is, lo and behold, Idlewild would have been the upper quadrant of that acre that was purchased. Yeah, and I live in Damani Ranch, and when I moved here almost five years ago, there was a ton of land with a ton of cows because there was a ranch there, Damani Ranch, and now that his 
that land has been sold and they are creating a giant shopping center and apartments and all that stuff. It's, it's all gone. So it's interesting to see that happen. So what does this mean for us now, Tim? Well, how is this impacting us today? You see, you see the problem of how it's impacting us today because all everyone's biggest argument against the current land. Oh, we didn't even really talk about the land bills, but you've got these land bills that have now were introduced by Reed, campaigned through. He had one pushed for Clark County. There was one for White Pine. There was one for Ely. Um, there's been one for Elko and there then were like eight, right? Weren't there yeah, eight? they, uh-huh. they had, they had six or eight pushed through and then Amaday recently got one for Churchill. Okay. Rosen's been pushing one for, uh, Washoe and then, uh, Cortez Masto has been pushing one for Carson city. Okay. Notice all three predominantly Northern Nevada. Mm-hmm because they haven't had theirs yet. These land bills take the area and they say, okay, so Clark County has, you know, this area or there, there is this much federal land around it. We are going to survey the land and we are going to try and find this many acres of that land that we can sell to private developers to develop and build Mm -hmm. on. While at the same time, setting aside a large amount of acreage around that area for conservation so that nothing can happen in that. Mm -hmm. And they draw a larger barrier around the city and they say, everything in this barrier, we can sell out. That caused and that allowed for a large expansion of Vegas. When you draw the difference between 2000 and 2020, a lot of that came from the, the act. And I'm forgetting the acronym. Holy crap. Snapla, whatever Sa- it is. Snapla. <laughs> I've heard it. I've heard it referenced before. Yeah, and it's it's one of those where we were able to get this land, sell it, and that happened in Vegas. Everyone argues that these bills allow for a large amount of urban sprawl because if instead of focusing on the inner parts of the city, it's mm-hmm. just developing and it builds onto the outer parts of the city. What this means for us today is I asked this question of someone. I was like, okay, so Vegas keeps bitching that they don't have any room. Um, I'm sorry, but when I drive through Vegas, I see more empty acres than I do in any other city in this state. And the answer that I was given, which now makes a whole lot of fucking sense, is those are all private. Those were sold to someone and someone's just sitting on the land because it's cheaper to just sit on the land than it is to develop it. Or it's been, you know, trusted into a family or whatever. And they don't want to do anything with the land. They just want to own it. I feel like there's a lot less of that now than there probably was even 10, 15 years ago. Yes, um, but there is still a lot of gray when I look at a map of Vegas. and sure. Or not a gray, but brown, which okay. signifies dirt in this state, which for any of us, any non-Nevadans who listen to our podcast, <laughs> Nevada doesn't have green. We have dirt. We okay? have brown. <laughs> we have brown. If you see green on a map, that means it's a mountain. It's amazing. <laughs> you can go to there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have... We have dirt. So I read in one of these Nevada Independent articles that in Nevada, more than 80% of the land is federally owned. That's insane. And it says, growth, therefore, often requires federal intervention via an act of Congress or a BLM policy in order to make land available for development. 
rather than traditional sales or zoning decisions used by other states. And that's because we weren't able to sell off enough of the townships back in the day. Mm-hmm. That's that exact. That's the exact trade-off of that deal that we made, where we got to pick the land. We gave the federal government huge, huge swaths of land, even in our own towns or yeah. next to our own towns, because we wanted to pick areas around that that was more profitable. We might have picked areas around that private. So that's why th- this was great for Vegas because it did allow for a huge development of land. But when I pull up the and they squares, made a lot of money of it from it too, right? Yes, they made a huge a, a lot amount of money. But I'm not even talking about the money because I don't care about the money. I, <laughs> I simply care about the idea of developing up Nevada and building up Nevada. And I, I look at Vegas and there is still a lot of brown in the city itself on the boundaries of it that makes sense because we're 20 years from the development agreement so it's not going you can't just snap your fingers and develop 60,000 acres around a city or something like that like it's it's not easy yeah with that being said when i drive around the internal part of vegas which is the only part i generally travel around (laughs) i see a lot of empty lots I see a lot of empty land. I see a lot of empty space. I see space that in northern Nevada, it seemed like was bought up five or ten years ago already and filled very quickly in our towns to where now we don't have the open lots unless they were recently raised to build something new. Yeah. And, but... Let's let me flip that because that's what you see in Vegas as a result of these land use bills. But as a result of the lack of them in, say, Reno, we had ranches like Idlewild mm-hmm. and Damani, mm-hmm. Colin Ranch, that were privately developed, built on, and things like that. And we have areas in the city proper, and this you could also argue for Vegas, but it's a little bit different, in the city where it is now cheaper for developers to just say, yeah, I'm not going to rent it to anyone. I'm not going to fill the property. It's just going to lay dormant. Not going to do anything. And it's cheaper for the owner to do that than it is for them to rent it to someone or even to sell it to someone because someone to buy it would have to put an equal amount that they bought the property for just to raise the property and rebuild it because it's been so neglected for so long that you can't use the building anymore. You have to pretty much start from scratch. But because the developers don't want to sell it because of how prime the property is, you're ending up paying five or six times as much as the property. What I'm doing is I'm describing the situation of downtown Reno. Okay. Downtown Reno, downtown Carson City, downtown towns we see this time and time again where we have prime buildings that were neglected because of this types of urbanization or sprawl and Mm -hmm. then now we can't even get these in so you have private land in vegas that's either not being sold or not being developed you have private property in reno carson city and all of northern nevada that's not being privatized or developed and yet you have counties like carson city washoe and still even Clark County themselves who are saying we are running out of room. Well, we have an affordable housing crisis. Well, it, it, yes, but it's also just they're saying we have a, we're running out of room because they're not looking in and they're not wanting to spend them they're not wanting to spend $2 to look inside. They just want to spend $1 and get out if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like 
They want to do the $1 investment, get rich quick, and get done with it instead of spending the $2 and putting in a smarter investment in our cities. This is why we're getting, you know, we see states where their urban centers are growing and they're growing rapidly and they're mm-hmm. growing in smart ways because they moved past this simple model. Their, their urban centers are expanded and developed, yeah. and now they were able to go with large money and buy these external developments from the federal government easily and start developing and building those, where Nevada is still struggling to develop the internal part that we got from the federal government 100 years ago. Or yeah. at least, in my opinion, that's what it seems like. Sure. We're still trying to fight our checkerboard of land property crap that we have. I hope that makes some sense or that adds some clarity. I Yeah, I think it's important for us to understand why we're kind of at where we're at when it feels like, what do you mean we're running out of room when we're only using 5% of our land to actually live on? And yeah, it's complicated because the land is so tied up. So and it, and well, and we also have to recognize that it's tied up because of the simple geography of Nevada. Right. Most cities build to the cusp of their valleys and then they move on unless mm-hmm. it's non-fertile. Then they're fighting the federal government, which we see in areas, Winnemucca, Elko, you know, they're either surrounded by private or they can't access the public. Right. And so with that being the case, all of this, the SNAPLA, whatever we want to call that acronym, it's, uh, you know, it's got some critics and it's got some fans, you know, some some people are happy because it, it is actually a really large source of economic funding for our state it, it brings in a lot of money for us to put to your point to put back into our yep. state uh, but at the same time it's kind of like it's like the golden handcuffs where we can't actually fully take advantage of the land that we have because of it yeah and it was and I think an important thing to note from these articles is we got it because we had the right people in the right places at the right time. To get another bill like that passed will be hard. To get bills that can change how we, and this is just me speaking, but how we develop or how we're developing our cityscapes, not just in Nevada, but in a nationwide, yeah. I think is doable with the right policies and the right you know, actions moving forward because we are in a 21st century where we have to look at this differently. Acre townships were designed to, you know, oh, build a farm on an acre. Yeah, that's that's a big sell nowadays. <laughs> I mean, like, it's going to be important in 20 years when we don't have grocery stores anymore. But like, right now in the urban centers that we are forced to live in, I, I don't have an acre for a farm because I don't have the need for a farm. Sure. So I'm not buying an acre. So we have to rethink some of these. Modern towns have, and we are still, because we have the golden hand, and it's not even that it's a golden handcuff, because it was a golden handcuff that helped us. Sure. Yeah. It's that we're, we're still trying to fight the archaic, like, bad choices that our state had. Yeah. And this system was, I don't know if it was the right fix, but it's the best fix that we had. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that the land bills are even bad in our state. I do have a lot of questions about how we're pretty much putting a cap on our overall urban growth with the amount of conservation that we're getting from these bills. Sure. But I'm not in any of those positions to make those arguments. <laughs> and there, there is a lot of what we'd call federal 
bureau land that mm-hmm. you know I think could be conserved, but then there's the like, is there a point to conserving it? it it's a very tight balance that we are playing in the state of Nevada. So what's next? Introspection. <laughs> no, I, like that. I, I I say that very quickly and very fast because I don't think that we need to be looking necessarily to land bills defining the limits of Washoe County development. I think we need to be looking at developmental bills defining how Washoe County is internally developing or what our internal priorities are. I don't think that Vegas should be getting more land for developers to develop on. I think developers should be looking at refurbishing or redoing the land that they have developed and making it more efficient. I think that these are the calls that we should be doing as a state, which will start to bring us out of those 50th, 49th, 48th places that we constantly find ourselves in. But that costs more money than what the developers want to spend. So a developer finds it cheaper to do the crappy solution and some campaign donations than it is to do the right solution. I read something that I found kind of comical in one of the articles where it said, no other state has undertaken similar efforts offsetting development for conservation in the way that Nevada has. But also at the same time, like to your point, a lot of, sure, let's have some great conservation areas because it's really not good for anything else. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not saying that, oh, you know, we got we to gotta build it up and do everything great because like, yeah, most of it's probably not good for i mean anything so like even conserving it's like yes you cannot go on this rock formation it's like well (laughs) damn it now i can't get my cool rocks out of the rock formation (laughs) which is arguably really bad for paleontologists and all the dinosaur people but that's a whole nother thing and that's why they don't like these things yeah uh but with that being said that does let's transition into where I kind of wanted to end with this, which is we had some other like interesting news this week that I think plays very well into land use because of what they were protesting. Yeah. We had the Burning Man protesters. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. So here's the deal. Look, I'm, I'm going to explain my ignorance here because as we've already said in this episode, I am from Las Vegas. I didn't even know what the hell Burning Man was until I moved up here five years ago. And so I remember meeting people and they'd be like, I'm a burner. And I'd walk away from that conversation, like Googled, what is a burner in Northern Nevada to see what it was? So uh, for those who don't live in Northern Nevada, a burner is somebody who attends Burning Man, which is this big... uh, I don't want to, it's not a festival, it's this wild outing in the middle of a dry lake bed. Yeah, no, explain no, no. it, the, Tim, you do it. For the sake of reporting purposes, it is actually a festival. <laughs> oh, okay, um, it is categorized as a festival? Yeah, for, okay. for, the, for the sake of reporting purposes, the closest thing is a self-built festival that happens in the desert that is built by the attendees and torn down by the attendees. Yeah, on a that's giant what, dry lake bed. Yeah, that that's what kind of makes it different from other 
festivals of that nature is, you know, the venues kind of built and like they do the building and there's the setup and everything. But like Burning Man is entirely done by the people. Yeah. But it is a modern day festival for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So it's an annual event that, gosh, how many people attend? Thousands and thousands. 80,000 last year. Okay. So they come... It becomes the second largest city in Nevada for two (laughs) weeks. Yeah. So it's literally a temporary city that happens. People bring all their own food, water, uh, music equipment, uh, tents, housing items. Okay. So before we get into the weeds of it, just to give some of the examples, but... In the news article that I will be bringing up, it was referenced that there was a a camp that was fully solar, and the equipment to set up said camp cost two hundred grand. Wow! So like, yeah, people are spending money to, oh, to yeah. set this stuff up. You know, yeah, they're, they're in the desert, so if you want it, you got to bring it. That's right. Yeah, it's definitely not cheap to do it. Um, I knew somebody who used to be contracted out to handcraft costumes for people who would attend Burning Man. And he he would make a lot of money doing this for people. I would believe it. I'd believe it. And so what did you hear about the protesters? Uh, I don't know a lot about it, but I know that they, I mean, they wanted to conserve the area, right? So this was almost my broke my brain because I I actually never thought that this would happen in the state of Nevada. And then when you look at the scale of it, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense because it's the state of Nevada. So we're a very, uh, for lack of a better term, libertarian state. Sure. Not not necessarily that everyone is a libertarian in the libertarian party, but a lot of their ideals or mindsets or how they act, believe, whatever, is very libertarian-esque, no matter how they identify. It's sure. just, it's very Nevadan, Nevadan libertarian. There's a lot of crossover. I hate that, but it, it's just true. So, it, you know, and I attended a, a movie hearing last weekend And part of it was, you know, youth engagement in the country. And a lot of the visuals that they showed was youth attending large rallies and going to like large protests where they were shutting down streets. And I'm like, that doesn't happen in Northern Nevada. Like, it's just not what happens here. It's not our mindset as is our towns aren't big enough for that to necessarily occur. You don't get enough people. And let alone, you don't get people flying in because you'll hear about the large Black Lives Matter protests where the people who went bad are the ones who like flew into town. And they were saying that about the ones that were happening in Reno like four or five years ago. So it kind of made sense there. But the environmental protests that decided to block Pyramid Highway for four hours, which Pyramid Highway is a two-lane highway, so it's barely a highway, but it's a highway for whatever they want to call it. Mm -hmm. So two-lane highway blocked for no one could get through by these protesters. None of them were from the state of Nevada. Interesting. I did not know that. Yes. All five of them flew in from like California or New York, or one of them was from out of the country, or at least the five that were cited. None of them were from Nevada. Okay. It was all from a larger environmental protesting group. And it was like, yeah, well, well, 
I'm surprised that they came to our state. One of the comments, because the whole video and why this made so much news was the Paiute Reservation Park Rangers pretty much blew through their blockade with their car and broke it down and then, you know, pulled a gun on them. There was there's an investigation. Not going to really speak too much to that, but it made a lot of news because of that whole thing. And one of the responses on social media was like, well, yeah, these out-of-towners come to Nevada and they think we're going to be all, like, happy-go-lucky with them when they're blocking a highway. Like, (laughs) no, welcome to Nevada. Get the fuck out of the way. Uh, Because he literally plowed into, you know, almost hitting five protesters with a F-150 police car like yeah no i'm not necessarily saying that what he did was okay but uh, you know the comment does have a point of like look nevada's not gonna just like you know oh yeah can you please get off our road like no (laughs) gtfo here people vox article (laughs) pointed something out though if they're not wrong they got a fucking point that little city in the desert creates a hundred tons of co2 or a hundred metric you're a hundred thousand metric tons of co2 annually wow like that's all that's the equivalent they were in the article they were saying it's the equivalent of like twenty-two thousand cars wow it's not a small festival these people are out there running generators Mm -hmm. 2022 when they had to run away from the heat they were in ac controlled rvs Mm mm-hmm this isn't great for the environment and yet they're going out there with the whole purpose of like oh this is environmental like we don't want to leave trash you know leave no trace but Mm -hmm. there is a trace being left even if it's not visual the point of these protesters like we have to be looking at how we are developing we have to be looking at how we're using things we can't just build out when the buildings are there we're just not using them again back to my back to your answer of like what's next it's introspection we as a state need to be looking at at our cities and saying okay we've built to the edge yeah what can we do within yeah well yeah and i I put my hats off to our delegations for trying to get more land use bills passed i hope they can do something or at least get some smarter bills passed i don't know (laughs) it's bad I I just I'm I'm having a lot of light bulbs going off every single day I'm reading something cuz I'm like, "Oh, I get why Douglas looks the way that it does when I look at it from Google Earth." Like I I now understand why I'm driving through and like it looks like you get this just parcel of like houses, houses, houses and nothing. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. It's All been, right. Well, then let's jump into our broke my brain. Okay, I'm going to go first. Yeah. Mine's quick. Yeah. So is mine. So is mine. Mine's okay, really go, go, fast. Go. Great, 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 great. So uh, we've talked a lot about some of this Trump indictment stuff. Wait, uh, he's getting indicted? <laughs> well, I specifically want to talk about Georgia. And not so today, actually, Trump pled not guilty to the charges from Fulton County. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. But the part, I don't know if it broke Should my brain. Should have um, non-guilty on <laughs> case of insanity or something like that. I don't know. I don't or know. no contest on case of insanity. Sorry, continue. <laughs> the part 
I, I don't know if it broke my brain, but I'm really excited about it is that there's this article by CBS News that says Trump trial in Fulton County will be televised and live streamed, Georgia judge says. So apparently they're going to allow, hold on, a YouTube stream of all the related hearings and trials stemming from the investigation into an alleged scheme to overturn the state's 2020 presidential election results. It's going to be operated by the court. So, yeah. So, um, a couple thoughts, but one, isn't that a grand jury trial? Uh, I don't know. There's a judge. Yeah, because, like, my... My biggest concern, and this is just me being the archaic man that I am, but the reason why they still don't allow cell phones in the Supreme Court is because there is a, a level of like privacy and a level of security that you get knowing that you're only there on an official record. Like it's this weird record capacity thing, but I, I'm just I have some privacy concerns with it being online. If that's the case, Tim, they probably will make sure that. They're, they're not in view. I hope, I mean? but that leads directly into my second point, which is <laughs> it's being run by the county court. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember COVID, right? Yeah. And y'all remember how we had to be like online all the time? Yeah. And y'all remember how like last week your buddy still couldn't figure out fucking Zoom after having to use it for two years? <laughs> I have a lot of doubts that the court system will run this in a flawless manner, which is not a concern where I'm like, oh, it's not going to be flawless because like, yes, technical snafus will happen. But a technical snafu to someone who doesn't understand a technical snafu is just ammo for like, oh, my God, they're cheating. They're doing something wrong. Like they cut the video for five minutes and we don't know what happened during the five minutes. And like a much more idealist perspective on this situation and say that there are probably a lot of people out there who really want to get this right so that people can take part in this and make sure that it's set up properly. It's going to be even worse. (laughs) So that's why I broke my brain. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with that. How about you? Yeah, so mine, I apologize for being a broken record here, but I'm I'm just, I'm pissed, and I don't get it, and I'm angry. (laughs) Okay, right. Because you have, you know, these two parties, they're like, why don't you like our candidates? Like, we don't get it. We have this Trump guy and this Biden guy who are Tim, this was your last week's broke my brain. No, because of what I read today that I was like, you're fucking kidding me. Okay, what what is it? So, uh, do you want to know this month that uh, we had a former president have a birthday? Okay? Okay. I feel like I know this. I just can't remember. Bill Clinton it. had a birthday this month. And do you okay. want to know how old he turned? He turned 77 years old. <laughs> which makes him currently younger than both Biden and Trump. Yeah. That means that he was president in his fucking 50s. And now we are hell bent on having his grandpa as fucking president. Yeah. And I say that because when you look at, like, 
just the age disparity of like, okay, so he was in his fifties when he was president and now we're putting someone who is eighties in their president. Like they could have been his grandpa when he was president. Like I I just, that's what broke my brain. It's not necessarily that we keep supporting these, but like, (sighs) no, that it was just the fact that he's only 77. Yeah. That is a brain breaker. Yeah. Like, because we're not even going to talk about Obama's age, because we all know he's young as shit. But, like, Clinton was before Bush, and Bush was my childhood. That's where Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy fuck. Clinton was my childhood. I I know, and that that (laughs) might be where it's less brain-breaking for you, but, like... No, but it is. is, It still is, because he... I mean, now when I see Clinton, I'm like, damn, he looks old. And then to think that he's still younger than Trump and Biden is pretty brain-breaking. Yeah, like, that's... (laughs) Like, it's... (laughs) So that's why it's my brain-breaker. It's not like, oh, no, we're supporting... It's like, wait, 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 what? That's a a good way of putting it, for sure. We need to have introspection in a lot of different ways, and that's the summary of this episode. (laughs) I ranted for an hour about land. I feel like you didn't really talk at all. Is there anything you want to talk about? Like, any news, anything you want in the episode? Oh, no, I'm good. Like, hell, we can talk about it. No, uh, look, I know we wanted to break down land use, so No, I wanted to break down land use. Yeah, which is fine. (laughs) I... I dug into it as much as I could. I hope I've made it more digestible for other people so that they don't have to dive into the deep parts of it. Because, like... Look, is more than I ever knew about land use. Yeah, so I'll give you that for sure. <laughs> there are reasons why Kentucky is nice and square and Oklahoma looks pretty and then Nevada looks like shit. <laughs> Like, and it, it makes a lot of sense when you dive into the nitty gritties. It's because of what we did in the 1880s. And then again, speaking of which, you got to watch the show. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it on the list, but I'm trying to do a lot. I get that. Okay. Take us home. Let's wrap it up. We'll hope some news happens. That's not bad. (laughs) Um, Like us on Google podcasts, Apple music, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Send send something, anything, whatever you want to, to... Hello at nbpoliticspodcast.com. We'll read it. We'll go through it. Uh, you know, we'll rehash stuff. We'll tell you if we, if we lied. <laughs> you know, hopefully broke our brains aren't talking about the, uh, the orange and uh, under current president, but we'll see. Yeah, that's fair. I'll try to find something super random next week. Yeah, no, that, that's that's our goal to each other is let's find something random. All right. All right. Bye. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>